0: That is really what it's about. Each individual athlete needs something slightly different to the next, even if they play in the same position. And the relation of what they do on the court or on the field should have an impact in what you do in the weight room. For instance, if a lineman struggles to defend to the left, then your programme should incorporate, you know, some lateral movement or glute band or whatever it would be to improve his explosive power to the left. But not every athlete on the lineman has an issue moving to the left. And that's when the specifics of that program relating to that individual athlete and working with coaching staff, athletic training staff can enhance performance as well as availability.
1: Uh, Yeah. The reason I had a big pause was because I was listening and, I was very much agreeing with you. You talked about the first thing that you would do is look at the athlete and their prior injuries. What else would you then do if you just get hired? Let's say you get hired right now. I'm wearing a, a Iowa State shirt. Let's say you get hired at Iowa State and you're working there. What would be some of the first battery of physical assessments that you would do in addition to
0: then looking at past medical history? So... Depending on your level of knowledge, I would basically come in and I would talk to the athletic training staff and I would see what they look at with a, with regard to movement, movement screen. Me personally, I do uh, sort of devise a, a, a block, what I call a blind screen. So sort of going off tangent here about the blind screen is that the idea is that you assess someone without knowing anything about them. The problem is, is if you know things about their past medical history, you tend to home in. If you had an ACL, you'll tend to home in at the knee. If you've had a hip issue, you tend to home in at the hip. If you don't know anything about someone and you're watching them move, jump, um, control, you're completely blind to all of the noise about, from the subjective perspective, which is how the trainers would look at something. So doing things blind, in my view, is actually very, very beneficial. The Depending on how you look at movement, I think movement is really, really important. And my philosophy about injuries and performance is that the body will always move. And what happens is over time is that if someone's had an injury, and most of the people that we're dealing with have had an injury, right? If you're at college or high school level or professional level, certainly, they've had an injury. But the body will always move. And that injury that they've had, whenever it was, it could be six months ago, could be six years ago, there will be an adaptation around the body and the movement from that injury because no one gets fully rehabilitated. The, the goal is to basically get back and play. And that's that's what happens within an athletic training room. Are they safe? Get them back. Get them playing, get them performing. But that rehabilitation doesn't continue. But the healing or, and the collagen and the changes within the adaptation of the, of the injury will continue to adapt for, for six to 12 to 16 months. And that, that adaptation can lead to what, we call, what I call movement dysfunction. And it's that movement dysfunction that in my view can lead to other problems. I'll give you a scenario. We've all had like athletes who've had an injury Uh, Or surgery and then come back and then they've had another injury and another injury and then we just turn around and go well, they've just been unlucky and We can all think about those athletes and who they are Well, my view on that is that they've adapted to some movement Function and that movement function has led to something else happening further on down the chain so looking at the way the, the the body is able to control and move, because in order to perform a jump or a or first step or accelerate or decelerate, the body needs to stabilize at some joints as well as mobilize at other joints. It has to. and therefore if you think about the body moving in that way, what you want to be able to do is find out where can they stabilize and how can they stabilize and how well can they stabilize. So I look a lot around the pelvis and the lumbar spine and see whether or not the body can actually stabilize to allow another joint to mobilize. I'll give you an example. I believe a lot of dysfunction occurs around the lumbar spine. So there's a small muscle called multifidus, which is like a scaffolding muscle around the lumbar spine, at each segment of the lumbar spine. And what can happen is is that that muscle becomes slightly dysfunctional and your spine will start to shift. And if your spine starts to shift because you're not controlling the column, your pelvis will rotate or your pelvis will drop. And then you'll end up then with, say, weakness in glute med, or you'll get an overcompensation in tensor R or TFL, and you get tightness in your ITB band. So what a trainer might do is go, oh, you're tight in your iliotibial band, we're gonna do some foam roll. But that's not the problem. The problem is occurring further up in the spine. So therefore, what you should be doing is not necessarily foam rolling the ITB, but actually looking at the control of the lumbar spine. Because no matter how fast that hip moves, if the lumbar spine can't control the column and control the pelvis, then the hip is going to basically be out of sync. And that's just a really simplistic way of sort of looking at this. And most strength coaches would go, well, I don't really understand or know that because that's not really my my remit. But the athletic trainers, that is their remit. So if you two work together and you understand that there's a weakness, if I told you as a strength coach and I'm your trainer, and I said, listen, this athlete has got some instability around his L4, L5, uh, mortifidus on the left, this is how you train that muscle. Just do loads of single leg work to activate that mortifidus then you could put that in your program and then you're complementing what I'm doing in the training room and I, I i don't want to awesome. get i, I don't want to get too much sort of into the weeds here because obviously there's different levels of knowledge right about the body uh, and about how the body actually moves and works but my my take home here is to actually look at how the body moves and controls and i think control and stability of one joint to allow another joint to move is absolute key in part of a program design for an individual athlete.
1: <clears throat> well, I mean, we can go into the weeds. That's the whole point of this. And that's what, you know, where strength <laughs> coaches come to learn and this is what they want to learn about, like, because they want to enhance performance. Like they, they need their athletes to move and to perform better. So like you feel free, dive down that rabbit hole.
0: Well, if you think about it, right. A lot, most movement comes from around the pelvis, from the hips, right? Yes. And you can go from the bottom down or the top down, however you want to look at this. But at the end of the day, you need to be able to accelerate, decelerate, jump, turn, twist. And your ankle joint and your knee joint, relatively speaking, although there is a slight amount of rotation, is a hinge joint. But your rotational joint is your hip. So your hip and your hip control, is absolutely vital to do a multi-directional movement or sport. Absolutely vital. So when we train athletes, we need to think about not just training them in a sagittal plane, for instance. We need to think about training them in a transverse plane. And we need to think about rotation. Because rotation is where you're going to get actually more torque within the muscles firing and being used to control. It's harder to control a rotation than it is to control a flexion or extension. And if you look at your programs, right, squat, jump, bench, most of them are in a straight plane. They're not in a rotational plane. So if you're doing things like working the anterior sling, right, so you're working upper body and you're basically using kettlebells to rotate your shoulder, Well, that's a rotational stability exercise. And it's more of those type of planes of movement that I think should be incorporated into a program and not just generic, but then specific to what an athlete actually needs. Give you another example. So I did the rehabilitation for Kevin Durant for his ruptured Achilles, right? So you've got a guy who's top of the game, plays basketball at the top level, ruptured his Achilles, he's 30-plus years old, and he's just had his tendon repaired. And obviously, we need to get his soleus and his gastroc really strong. We need to get the recoil moving of the tendon, and gradually you progress the strength within that muscle and that tendon. But what you've also got to think about is that when he cuts or he, he basically shoots, his leg or his limb will rotate. So if he steps back, he'll he'll do it at a pivot. He'll do it at an angle. It's not a straight line. So therefore, when you're rehabilitating, for instance, the Achilles, whether it's soleus or gastroc, or even the whole of the lower chain, you've got to think about doing it at different angles. And that's then going into more specifics about what KD would do when he plays the game. So that has to go really early into his rehabilitation to be specific to what this actual function does. But secondly. If you look at the anatomy of the Achilles, for instance, it twists as it goes into the os calcis. So it's, there's no point in doing calf raises in a straight line. Okay, you should be doing calf raises at different angles, right? So there's just one example of a tendon going into a bone, but thinking about how the tendon actually functions. It doesn't function in a you know backwards and forwards. Just goes do calf raises. It, it just doesn't work like that. So if all you do is just calf raises in a straight line, you're not affecting all of the parts of the tendon and the muscle. And it's little things like that, that if you think about the way that the body moves and look at what they actually do on the core, what they do on the field, and relate that to your program, I think you're being more specific with your program design.
1: I 100% agree. Why aren't more people doing that?
0: Well, the thing is...